You're listening to Life in the Faust Lane. My wonderful friends and I are here to share some wisdom, make you laugh, and of course, shatter all of those toxic cultural norms. So buckle up tight, because you're about to enter the Faust Lane. Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to Life in the Faust Lane. This is your girl, Mary. And I wanted to give a proper introduction to my next guest, Mr. Kyle Field, the singer-songwriter of the band Little Wings, which I have been a huge fan of for many, many, many years. (laughs) I feel very honored to have had the pleasure of shooting the mental health shit with him for as long as we did. So I truly hope, listeners, you enjoy this one. I sure know I did. And again, Kyle, thank you so much for being on the show. Okay. You're back. I'm back. Testing, testing. (laughs) Testing one, two. Yay! Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. That means so much to me. You bet. I'm excited. I, I Even since it's a health-themed, I thought I would just start a, a health regime today, so I bought yogurt to act like this is what I always do, like, so I could talk about the yogurt. Go just like, oh, it's kind of my routine, yogurt. and yeah, <laughs> just got back from one of my classes. And, <laughs> a jog yeah. to the store to get yeah. the yogurt, so exactly. okay, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how'd well, you know? Well, I mean, I love yogurt, and I yeah. love health and mental health so there you go (laughs) great so okay you who i am speaking with this is mr kyle field also i learned a new word for this interview your moniker is little wings right is moniker new to the vocab that's new to my vocab you know this word apparently a a lot of people know this word it's a good one i forget I can't remember when I came across it. I learned a new word recently, and I'll remember it by the end of this podcast. But it's okay. good. It's never shameful, in my opinion. To admit to, that you don't know a word, to, right? To admit that you just learned a new word, you know. Right. Like, I was like moniker, and then I, I just was came across this. You know, how many people knew the word? But yeah, I'm over the days of feeling like, oh, am I a dum dum? Did I have a bad well, education or something? Uh, no, I know I have one right off the bat right now. Uh, Go. I I didn't know what the word zephyr meant. Z e p h y r, and That's I kind of assumed. Chili pepper song. Is there a song called Zephyr? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, okay. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Um, I just made you feel like no, no, you don't it, know it's fine. that. So the reason they know that word, I'm fairly convinced, is because they saw the Dogtown and Sea Boys movie and yeah. their skateboard team was called the Zephyr team. So I almost wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Kiedis wrote a song just because he thought that word was cool. No harm intended, but I don't know. <laughs> If he knows what that word means, so right. Zephyr oh, is a breeze. It's an act, it's a it's another name for a, a certain kind of wind. 
Well, he does and, say, fly away yeah. on my zephyr. He says, fly but he's talking away about his. Um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, what I'm he thinks standing, it is. But I'm I not mean, like I mean, for... I no, I'm, I'm, and I'm not cutting anyone down here. This is all about health. But we were talking about new words. So I, I'm about to out myself as, and this is to me, this is kind of um, beautiful too, because of the, you know, the word onomatopoeia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a word sounds like what it is, like whoosh or buzz. or So I, without knowing what a zephyr was, I wrote a song about a zephyr, and I was kind of picturing it as a cross between that fuzzy dog dragon from uh, A NeverEnding Story mm-hmm. and, and, and like a gazelle or something. So I thought it was some... In without needing to know what it was about, it was an inspiring word, and so I, I kind of thought it was almost like some kind of antelope or something, because that's what it sounds like to me. So mm. I wrote. I was in another country at the time, and a friend of mine who also writes songs and I were texting, via a Wi-Fi text, you know, and I think it was my morning and his night, and we we just liked each other a whole lot, and I've known him for really many years, and. I was like, you should write a song about springtime. And then he sent me back this link, 10 poems everyone should know about the spring. And mm-hmm. the, and I don't, I've lost that text thread. I've lo- I don't remember the, which one of the 10 poems I read, but it might have been Wordsworth or Tennyson or some classic English poem. And he was talking about uh, the silver mist of dawn and a zephyr blowing through and when I read the word that way I was like is it it might be a wind but it might also be this mythical creature and so I kind of wrote a song called Zephyr um, based on that and then I looked it up after I wrote it and it actually made sense for wind too but I was writing it for this mythical creature that was scooting through kind of causing um Havoc, wreaking havoc a little bit, and then, ironically, the 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 winds, you know, the winds are related to fires and wildfires. And after a season of wildfires in California, I read it as meaning a zephyr could also just mean a fire too that blows through. Mm-hmm. Uh, to quote the 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 last phrase of the song. A zephyr glides on legs of glade, and underfoot goes wearing thin. Sorry for the mess it's made, but built to do it all again. Hmm. And then I started thinking, well, I'm kind of, I can be a zephyr at times. Like any of us could, can be a little destructive, self-destructive, or to those around us. And um, definitely with music, um, travel. I, I have done, and I know many people that play music who are performers and entertainers who have acted out or done things that they're not proud of that you can't take back in the past because you're tired, you're pushed to the edge, you're kind of um, your sleep is compromised, you're kind of like in a and you're in a heightened state, and that's why people in some in some instances act like quote rock stars. 
you know? Yeah. They were like, yeah. they were such a prima donna. And it's all true and it's all not true is what I think. Mm. Um, because I think it is performing and getting up in front of people is a little bit of an out-of-body experience to begin with. So you're kind of a separate self from the self that you are when you're at home <clears throat> around yeah. people that you know well. You're kind of putting yourself out there. So I think you're a Zephyr. You're a Zephyr, yeah. So that I was linking it to like regrettable things that can be done while traveling as a performer, and uh, that you could act out, and you know. Hmm. A flaming Zephyr creature. Right. I feel a little bit like that currently in my life, but not always. Like, um, it's ramped up recently? Yeah. Yep. How recently? Oh, maybe like the last month and a half, two months. Mm-hmm. When's your birthday? It's in January, January 16th. And do you like holidays around your birthday? And do you think you like them because they're around your birthday? Or do you not really, there aren't really many holidays around January 16th? Except yeah, there's like Martin Luther King Day. Yeah, there's not many. What is, why? Why do you ask that? I was wondering, because I love Thanksgiving in a way, and I was I was born on Thanksgiving originally. and But I don't know if I love it because it's my birthday. Oh, I love it more it's... because... Like, I would have no way of knowing. Well, the older, yeah, the older I get, the more anxiety my birthday brings me. I feel like I don't want to plan it myself. I don't want to get my hopes up that someone else is going to plan it, so I just want to let it go. And then I don't even really want anything because I have social anxiety. So it's like a mixture of so many things these days that it's like, could everyone just forget my birthday? That would be fine. Absolutely. I, I think when I turned 28, which is kind of like your Saturn returns uh, thing, which is supposed to, they say, some some people think that's like when you're kind of forged in the mold and you're kind of like where your life is at at that point is maybe what it might be. You know, like that's where you can tell you've chosen this path or the other or whatever. And I mm. think that that year I decided not to celebrate any holidays, like human created holidays and and I think I spent my whole birthday alone and tried to tell as few people about it or like I didn't want anyone to wish me happy birthday kind of I was almost like boycotting any one day being more special than the other Mm -hmm. Um, and so I completely understand and I I try to do as little as possible to acknowledge my own birthday on my birthday I like it to be this empty day and I feel actually really special inside in some way where I'm like I'm kind of have a secret smile on my face I was like it's my birthday like, yeah oh, cool. but and I don't but need I the whole world to celebrate right mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah I, I know for me it's always come from this place of like please God make me feel special when I was younger like it's my goddamn birthday everyone needs to know and I need to be acknowledged and now it's like well can't I just feel special every day 
right? You're recovering from that old tendency, maybe. Yes. 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 You Zephyr. There's our words, moniker and Zephyr. There you go. Everyone listening, you're welcome. Your vocab. Although, Just increased by one and a half words. By one and a half, because everyone Zephyr's only a half moniker. word. Oh, okay. No, Zephyr's only a half word. But I have a new record. Well, it's on Bandcamp, but uh, I have a record. I made a whole record called Zephyr um, off of that one instance. And This uh, is available for listening to our ears now. On Bandcamp currently, yes. I, I have this weird pipeline that I've been putting out um, records on Bandcamp. I have this like three-stage, three-step release process, and I put it out on Bandcamp first, and then it comes out on some physical format second, sort of, and then after the physical format is released, then I will put it on every platform where it's streamable. But I kind of, records get uh, gobbled up so quick, and it's really, it's a uh, it's a job. It's a constant pursuit to keep uh, writing songs, and so with the way things are, I try to pump the brakes and just kind of make the release last three years <laughs> or yes, a, yeah. a year and a half. You know, so like only some people know. About, only the people who are privy to like the fact that there is a Little Wings Band Camp can know about. Zephyr and Froggies, for instance, which yeah. are two like maybe kind of secret albums, and then the then the vinyl heads will buy one at the merch table when they come see it, or in the shop when it comes out on vinyl, and then the rest of the world three years later <laughs> will find it on iTunes. So, um, all right, well, <laughs> so yes, you are Kyle Field. Um, I have been a huge fan of yours for a long time since I was a little teeny, confused teenager. Um, and so why did I choose you for this episode? This is my reason why, is because of your lyrics, just who you've been as a musician in my life, just growing up. And, and even I sense a spirituality in you of some sort, which we'll get to, but that has kind of always intrigued me about your lyrics and, and you as a human who seems just weird enough that I want to keep knowing what you're going to do next. And so in my mind, you must have some awareness of well-being, how to live a good life, how to be successful in a way that you want to be successful. And so here you are. That's that, that's such glowing praise. I really appreciate it. I I think my greatest setback or weakness will be that I'm though I may I, and I'm still figuring out how to exist, you know, as we all are, and in these lives that we're living, um, I might be poor at describing how the how or the 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 how I do it because my brain is hyperactive, so I start talking, and then it's kind of like um, something that gets away from me, and I tend to ramble. So I will focus on slowing down and <laughs> trying to address that description. But I I like that 
observation <laughs> of of how I live in song, and that's what you know of me. Um, there you go. And that's yes. what I'm able to, much like many people that I've absorbed their work, I have like a life in song that people can experience, and they're my ideal uh, lessons and my ideal um, ways of looking at the world that ideally I would live that way. And I don't think it's completely possible to live that way day in, day out, but I think they're kind of like I'm telling myself these things just as much as I'm sharing them through songs so that someone else could uh, repeat it to themselves if if it would help keep you on course or kind of keep um, your spirits at a certain level or um, yes that uh, is something exactly about, what and there, it does yeah <laughs> and there's something about the power of music and rhymes and that mm-hmm. I don't really know exactly what it is or what they do except they're kind of like spells yeah. Oh, totally. Train maybe train your brain to find that that spot again. That um, and we like familiarity, and so there's something about it, how great it feels to hear one of your favorite songs, like out of the blue, especially where it feels like magic. Though there's only three hundred thousand billion songs in the world, so every once in a while you're going to hear. Lovers rock by the Clash blasting out of a jukebox on the East Coast when you're with a friend you haven't seen in forever. And it's going to kick in. You're like, I can't believe we're hearing this right now. This is, I love you. Like, And that's surprise and spontaneity and the willy-nilliness. But going full circle, like how you said birthdays get more depressing as we get older. Um I also think getting older, the alternative to not getting older anymore is not being alive anymore. So mm-hmm. the more you can stay alive to experience this kind of, um, the better, I, I believe. And life really get, does get shorter and shorter feeling. I, I feel the older you get and those old people that were, you won't, know, you don't know this now when you're 16. Life goes really quick and you're like sure and you don't believe them and then you hit you start to get into your 50s and you're like oh they were so right like these years are going by so much quicker now so it's really true everything that everyone said was true um speaking of of idealistic lyrics of my songs i think there's one lyric that a friend from santa cruz who who's in um a really radical band called The Lowdown. We were drinking at his house one night late after a show, and he said, you know that song, Save Children, where you say, I'm in love with everyone and everything you've ever done? Um, and I said, yes. And I've, I've never understood that. Like, what, you mean like Hitler, too? And this and that. And I was like, well, I, well you know, I mean, it's kind of a hopeful uh, phrase to repeat yourself, to tell yourself, to kind of cope. And then what's so funny, coming back to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I follow Flea on Twitter, and 
he in his Twitter handle has three, three the numbers three three three, which I see all the time, like that time of day on a clock. And I don't mm. know if he does too, but it's in my Twitter handle too. And only a month ago he or less than a month ago he tweeted, I love everyone and everything. And the oh. blowback from it was like, even rapists and child molesters and blah blah and he didn't answer he didn't respond to any of it. But it reminded me of what happened to me when I said something similarly, like almost. Whoa. Whoa. Like pretty wild. That is very wild. What a great story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I just want to throw out there, I've been partnered up with a music man who writes <clears throat> lyrics as well. Yeah. And yeah. I... Over this decade, I know him best through his new songs that he birthed, and that's it. It's like I don't really know him unless he's making music. It's his way of like, here, know me. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, and it, it totally makes sense. <laughs> so, like, I'm so – that's why I just love great lyrics so much. It's just – an important part of life so even if you never explained anything i feel like you just can't hide from the world at this point kyle we know you and i i know and i don't um at all and i feel like um i just feel like the way i'm understanding it now however is that uh there's a there's a certain out of body experience thing I'm very in my body but i'm I'm not necessarily by nature an extroverted person, but mm-hmm. I have something have you seen strangers with candy starring Amy sedaris absolutely I've got something to say It's like when <laughs> Jerry blank says I've got something to say and stops the whole school it's like i actually i'm a weird combination of introvert and extrovert and the performer. Are we still going? Can you still hear me? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Great, um... great, great. Better than ever. Okay. The <laughs> the performer person is kind of the the half of me that can make it out in to public in front of people and then it's sharing the introverted introspective half of me's findings, you know, that don't have very much to do with being social or um, it's the kind of vehicle, the performer in me is the vehicle that these um, thoughts get out through. And I'm definitely connected to the performer person, but on a day-to-day basis, I'm not going around trying to get attention. Right. Yeah. And and I realized that the same creative impulses in me when I'm writing, where I'm trying to surprise myself and coming up with the next line is the most exciting thing ever still to me is just what is the next line? Like, yes, and, you know, and I get it. And then there's the next, and there's it's a constant um, challenge 
throughout the whole song. And so the improvisational aspects of what I get to do when performing uh, use the same muscles that I, mental muscles that I use to write the next line um, of a song. I re- and I only just sort of realized that so I was like, how do I know how to perform? Like, I don't do it all the time. And I yeah. actually like it to be fresh. I don't, sometimes I like playing night after night, but pretty quickly as a show starts, you can tell what the feeling of the show is going to be mm-hmm. um, and what energy the crowd, the audience is bringing to it. And that informs a lot of it. And so you can kind of know whether you're going to get one of the the good feelings out of it within the first five or ten minutes, in a way, just based on the the level of the room. And um, yeah, sometimes I'm like, how do I know how to do that and be spontaneous? And I surprise myself by doing a weird witch laugh and making up some lyrics. And I, <laughs> but I was like, oh, I'm always exercising those muscles by just writing in it and writing is improvisation but with a pen on paper and I have my little ticks which are that I like the same exact same kind of notebook I don't care about the color of the cover but I like these certain spiral notebooks that kind of aren't or older ones because it reminds me of being 19 so I, I think I bought like 15 of these old need notebooks that I don't make anymore off of eBay from some person in the Midwest and <laughs> so I have a stock of those nut hatched away and then I have these (laughs) other notebooks that fit in my pocket my front chest pocket of a shirt or jacket and those I found I found one in another country and I have a connection there of someone who lives there that they could only buy them through the internet somehow (laughs) so I think I have 20 of those so I'm like set for the next 10 years on that and okay, good to know. Doubles. I bought backups of like these flip-flops I like that this person makes so I have a pair of flip-flops and a pair of these other shoes on ice in the back room of our house and I'm just like these this is just so I don't have to worry about that and if, if, if I'm like Jimmy Buffett and I blow up my flip-flop I'll just put on the <laughs> and keep on trucking but I really I'm getting to the point where uh where I'm in a really nice way, like, I I really, this is what I do. Like, I really like to write, and I really like to write songs, and that's my favorite part of it at all. And then this, the performance of them is pretty much also equally my favorite, but that has way more variables yeah. uh, that could go wrong. And so the the most... Um, reliable one is that I can have a pen and a piece of paper and write a song and that's what I did when I couldn't play for the last almost two years as I wrote a bunch and um, I realized that even more you know is that like oh I really like to write songs and I'm still just learning about writing songs and so that's that's what makes me mentally healthy is just kind of like having a purpose and and maybe the way I would talk about mental health is like we're lucky that we even get to like use that phrase in a way like we're we must be pretty healthy if like and we also have to use that brain to think 
about itself. So it's yeah. like, um, so I think the conundrum, the postmodern conundrum of a lot of people who live in a, a country that's pretty well off, like ours, is purpose. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of mental health has to do with, do I know what I'm doing? And like, is does it feel important to me? Um, regardless of whether it feels important to other people, because I didn't, like when it rang right with me with music, it wasn't, it wasn't like necessarily popular. Like I would play to 20 people and I, that was, that felt like enough to me. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the struggles of people in the entertainment industry is popularity. It's like how many people know about me? I got told, I just played on the East Coast for seven nights, and um, I got told in Vermont by a kid, I say a kid because he was probably 20 years old, went to college there, and he said, I hope you get more popular. I said, I don't. <laughs> I said, I, I'm popular enough. And um, he's like, oh, yeah? And I was like, yeah. And then circling back to someone like Lee, who I think I've seen in a grocery store once, like surrounded by a bunch of firemen, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't want that. I don't want facial recognition in public. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want that level of being known because. And I've always, I've always kind of, sort of been seeking this stratosphere, being just popular enough to be able to get by doing it but not um, blowing my cover completely because I think I might get spooked and mm-hmm. stop doing it because I don't want to, I don't want to be recognized where I go and walk in everywhere and, and be like, hey, and I've done that in a sense, like I've lived in this, in several different, na- like a neighborhood or this or that. And, at first, it was the way to get to know a lot of people. It's like, oh, not, and it wasn't to get to know a lot of people, but it just happened that you become, quote, popular, like, because, mm-hmm. whoa, I never knew about your music. Thanks for playing. Um, and then for the next year or two that you live there, someone, you know, you're walking down the street and you're, and maybe you're even having a bad day and you would rather not have to be on. And yeah. um, your name gets yelled from across the street. Hey, uh, you know, hey, Mary. And you don't know who that person is. Yeah. And you have to wave, and then you feel like a weird mayor who's faking it. Where you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm the mayor, so they know who I am. Okay, so. Hi, Kiss my baby, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you're never a saint in your own territory. So, um, and... On that note, I actually kind of don't name my territory publicly. I kind of don't tell people in the press or whatever per se what town I live in because I don't think it's important. And I've lived yeah. in a bunch of different places, and I I like um, keeping that kind of a little mysterious um, yeah. just for my own for my own mental health. But it it sounds like the dream musician life to me because who wants to be really famous? It sounds 
so stressful. Um, I know, but, but I think some people really do, and I think it is a drug that you can never get enough of, and if you get hooked on it, that's where it goes south, that is you're like, oh, my gosh, because it's if you never peak, my approach is if you never peak, you're never going to get less popular. So I'm never going to peak. I'm never. I'm going to peak towards the end. Like, Don't never peak. Yeah, like peak you on know? your deathbed or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of people who really get really well known really fast for for one song or one album or one um, highlight of their body of work maybe are always trying to get back to that. And it will, because they had a machine and business and dollars and all of this behind it that helped the song. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's an industry. Like the music industry is an industry. What is going to be a popular single gets decided by record labels, publicists, um, the music industry itself, almost like Illuminati style, where it's like. Yeah. Um, the people that are in the Hall of Fame for music, like in all capitals, are playing in with their managers into this Hunger Games-ish world that mm-hmm. is essentially, you know, controlled and orchestrated and um, designed to to pick the next big thing. And then that can be really hard on the actual human who has to be that, like Kurt Cobain or um, Elliot Smith or Britney Spears or anyone who is like, yeah, I'll do it, and their manager's telling them you can do it, you know, yeah. Yeah. Do this, like, let's make you huge. And then it's, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily an easy thing to withstand. Someone like Madonna, a chameleon like Madonna can handle it, and she loves it, and it probably gives her a lot of energy. And, but, um, yeah, some people can make it work. I think it would crumble yeah. me to the grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I just I think that's great, and I think that uh, you're living the dream, Mr. Kyle Field. <laughs> I mean, that phrase gets passed around a lot. I must admit, but <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> just kidding. Um, Actually, I am. No, it's as it's as close to it as possible as far as getting to do what I love to do and I'm lucky enough that enough people will care about it that I can turn a profit off of it and kind of have a a working wage doing it you know live your life uh, yeah and it's and it also there's no arrival it never ends it's a practice it's kind of like um fishing a river and I've decided that I'm going to fish this river in a way um, mm-hmm. as hokey as that metaphor sounds but there really is I'm realizing more and more um, performance is quite an exciting thing to do but um, it's so temporary that state of being is so temporary and then it's over so quick and I think equally important to learning how to perform is also learning how to like, okay, let go, like take off the makeup, like you're now you're back and you're now you're Clark Kent again. Yeah. And most of your time is going to be spent as Clark Kent. And like Yeah. Not your moniker. 
not not your moniker. <laughs> so, and that, and I think that's yeah, I think that's an important part of because you you don't want to get up in front of a bunch of people and then not be that interesting. You want to be very interesting and be a character of sorts and uh, mm-hmm. be like quote superhuman, but it's a temporary state. And then to be able to get back out of it is like a skill. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. To the shed ego. to shed that layer and and yeah and to realize to not let your ego get blown up by it because anyone who there there's something I'm fascinated with both sides of it. I love watching a performer and I get a, a little bit. Um, fall in love with them, and that's what you're supposed to do, you know. Mm-hmm. But once they're once they step off of the stage and they're not underneath that light, the whole thing goes away, as it should. Yeah. Um, like I remember that uh, famous play Oklahoma. I think it's called Oklahoma. With the yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. With Sandy Hawkins Day and this, that and the other. And I think I was in third or fourth grade. It was in my elementary school and the sixth graders put on the play of Oklahoma. And whoever played the lead, I Lil Abner maybe, is like the main character. And he was this guy I'd never seen. So I was like, Who is this guy? And I found out they couldn't get an actor to they couldn't get someone for that role, so he came back from seventh grade, like he wasn't even going to her school, and he came to do the play. I thought that was so awesome, like vaudeville circuit of elementary school theater. <laughs> and then the lead was this dark-haired gal that I just—I had never seen her either at school, but I knew that she was a sixth grader that went to our school, and I had kind of like the classic babysitter crush on her. She was like, you know, she would have been quite a bit taller than me, but I, that's all I, she was all I could think about like the, the day after. And I think I never saw her again at school, like much, <laughs> much as before the play. But I think there's an important magic to those things that we can't have that, that um, gives you the butterflies and the kind of stardust, picky yeah. dust. And that's what, and then you turn it into your own inspiration. Um, I think when I was five, we, this is super goofy, but I think we went to see Cinderella in the theater. I think it was Cinderella, which doesn't sound cool or scary. <laughs> it might have been Snow White, but I'm pretty sure it was Cinderella. But I remember this heartache that I had fallen in love with the cartoon, but she was oh. so real to me. And waking up kind of lovesick the next morning. I think I was five or six years old and like I couldn't see her again. And I knew my parents wouldn't take me a second time to the movies. Like that was unheard of, you know? And I was just had to sit with that like heartbreak slash heartache. And I wonder how common that is anymore. Wow. Um, because, Because you can see anything now. You like, can see it you know, over and over and over and, and over and over and over and again. Over. And I never saw her again. Like I probably have never even seen Cinderella again because now it seems kind of boring. 
but then it was like everything. So I just wonder if there's something to that longing that um, means that you have to make it for yourself or you have to create it for yourself rather than just be a how to do that, be be an audience member for, for the rest of your life. So yeah. there, if you have to make it yourself, I think there's something uh, – necessity is the mother of invention that phrase you know yeah well and I mean that kind of segues to my next highlighted question because in my mind so I'm not I wouldn't consider myself a musician but I have an ear and I love music and I've always been a dancer and obviously music and dance go together and I was a performer as a dancer, as a kid, teenager, adult. And wow. so I've always been a performer myself. But um, in my mind, I love musicians. I love great lyrics. I fall in love with musicians left and right when they're great. And so to me, if I'm as a non-musician, if you will, <laughs> if I'm going to yeah. take, if I'm going to fall in love and then want to take that, energy with me and go now what can I do mm-hmm. then then in my mind there has to be an essence of some kind of spirituality in you that can access something deeper in yourself to find out oh and for me it's like I can do this podcast I like talking to people I like bringing up um, relevant topics that I think we can look at all sides of and so right like to me in my mind, if I didn't have that, not that I think um, if you have a spiritual essence, you know, you're better than someone who doesn't. I just imagine that that's how I'm going to find that magic in myself. Does that make any sense? For sure. Um, you're <laughs> and my question. The torch. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of sharing what you found with others. Yeah. Or what yeah. you find to be special and um <clears throat> so that is um the creative act. Yeah. And it doesn't before I ever learned how to play my own music or play any instruments or write songs, I I still love music the exact same way that I did. Uh, before I knew how it was made. So I think I think probably seeing certain people play music was inspiring to me to the point of I was like, how do you, I want to learn how to do that. And that looks really fun to do also. Not only do I love music, but like, you know, the next step but I think it takes a mu like a music lover to be a, a a musician, but music lovers are almost are musicians anyway, because it takes a great audience to make a great show, you know. Yeah, that's very true too. Nothing like a so shitty like, audience. <laughs> yeah. There's like an intel there's like a group intelligence going on that um performer is just kind of the conductor of the of the 
the ceiling of the room and probably gets a little bit more credit than they deserve um, because, yeah, the intelligence of the audience plays a huge part in, in there actually being an environment where it can exist, uh, where the songs can exist in, in that way. Wow. Totally. I'm a music person then. <laughs> yeah, you're a music person. For sure. And that, Turns out. And, and who knows? I mean, who knows if you're if you're going to turn into a music maker or not, but you, you could. I know. What am I saying? I do do backup vocals. I am a music person. There you go. Just, it's You're hard to like. Way short. <laughs> but like, I assist. I like to assist in the like people who did all the hard work. I just come in at the very last minute and. <laughs> well, that's a great too. Music and person. I, I love the role of support. Like, I don't get to do it that often, but I love playing, for instance, bass. Uh, in a band and singing backups and not being the lead singer. Yeah. Like it's really just as fun. If not it's low fun, pressure. It's a little less pressure and because of that you kind of and there's there is like a supportive shape that you take on that yeah. is just as enjoyable. Totally. Ah music. So, yeah. <laughs> well, like, so, so do you consider yourself a spiritual Mayan? If you, if we had to use these simple human words of ours, <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts I mean, on that? I, I, I probably think that everyone. Uh, I think. No, I'm not a spiritual person. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I I don't I, I I don't really know, but I think that that I like matters of um, yeah, it's something like being spiritual. <laughs> That's a, that's actually the best answer I could have hoped for. Because I feel like that's my answer. <laughs> well, I always yeah. <laughs> I always say I don't fully buy into anything, and I kind of believe in everything. <laughs> yeah, everything could be true is almost like yeah. the way. Like, and the way I see, for instance, um, religions or spiritual practices – there are just as many of them as there are languages. And so mm -hmm. I think they're kind of languages about spirituality. And, and in the same way that English is not the only true language, for instance, Mormonism, there's no way that's the only true religion. Right. You know? <laughs> so it, We it, all it, got it wrong. Right. <laughs> Except the Mormons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, but that also makes me slightly wary of religions because so many of them say that theirs is the only one, and no one says that about language. Yeah. Like, must speak. 
um, you must speak Afrikaans or like you're not really saying anything. Yeah. And it's not true. Whatever you're saying is not true. So that's the part where, to me, in some sense, mankind has tainted the concept of God or spirituality with their need to kind of uh, control dominate, it, yeah, it or dominate it, or um, yeah. Uh, okay. Alan Alan Watts talks about this par- this parable where a man held up a fishing net and looked through it and used the the boxes in the fishing net to kind of start to measure like hills in the distance or where he could kind of put the, the size on it or a, kind of define them. And then that, that was the beginning of the problem. Just the first time a man held up a fishing net and tried to use it as a ruler to measure the world around him. Yeah, I like him. I like, I like, um, I yeah, I love know, Alan. This, yeah, like this concept of neutrality, or like just kind of to 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 try to be balanced. I think is my version of spirituality, but I still have a temper problem, and I get angry, and I get sad, and um, and then you read those things like unmasking the gurus, and it will be these horror stories of like um, the guy I can't remember his name, but the Suzuki maybe who came and. And he kicked someone at this Buddhist monastery and like yeah. spilled his wine and like yelled and like he's a maniac. It's like, well, he's a person and you pissed yeah. him off and he's yeah. not like he's not a god. But they're like stripping the gurus, I think it's called. And it was like, uh. but obviously, and there's a lot of gurus that use that to get sex and get control over multiple partners. Right. So, yeah. It's all true. This is why, I mean, not to, like, get too into, like, my opinions, because I hate all opinions, even my own. Um, but that's why, to me, spirituality, yeah, that word is, is used too much, and it, it's starting to just kind of get thrown in with religion. Like, ah, just suck it off. <laughs> just right. suck it off. Um, but to me, like, spirituality has to just be in us, in our own individual, like, selves. And, and the more we can just tune in to what's going on inside of ourselves versus out there in the world and what's that guru saying and what's that one saying and well, what about that, Pastor? And we're just checking in. And then, I don't know, we can write some lyrics or make a painting or... Yeah. Anyways. Definitely. And... And there are different kinds of people. Like you're doing your podcast, I'm doing my music. Maybe we are more individualistic people than people that find comfort from singing with a big group of people every week on on Sunday morning. Which I can't knock it either. You know. I know. It, I know. As far as the yin yang thing goes, it's like everything has its purpose. Or, or for some people, that really works. And I would never tell them that that wasn't a good thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I've been there and I've been, I've not been there. And uh, maybe, maybe it worked and I don't need to go back there ever again. And, 
Yeah, exactly. It did it. It did the job. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I I don't want to uh, judge anyone's practices since I realize we're not just talking on the phone. This is actually a podcast that someone could push pause and replay the Cinderella part so that they could have this meta experience <laughs> of getting to listen to me talk about never getting to see Cinderella again. <laughs> Blonde-haired, blue-eyed Karen <laughs> with her hair pulled back. And you got to get over to Disneyland. For, yeah, I was get canceled for like liking a, a, a white Disney lady like when I was five. Uh-oh. Like how, well, how he... <laughs> not to disappoint you, Kyle, but I'm... I am not in the same world either. I have a pretty sweet little listening crowd, but I know they're going to be very excited to hear you, um, so don't worry. I don't think you're going to. Although you have people, and if they're listening, anyways, how oh, dare you? I hope I survive. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your rep. All right, I'm going to try and keep your rep fresh. Um, so. All right, I'm going to lay it on you. How would you describe your current mental health status <laughs> following okay. this insane? Did 2020 happen? I don't even know. What year are we in? 2021 yeah. still? <laughs> Where are you at? I am, um, I feel like, uh, feel better than I did two years ago, I would say. Um, in some way, I feel like I made a few changes. I feel like having to stay put in some in the same place for day in and day out for so long was really difficult at first, but then it showed, it revealed some patterns that I would not have seen in Mm -hmm. myself and in my behaviors um, if I had not been forced to stay put for a really long time. And I think that that I've had the tendency to, in the past, be pretty escapist and run, kind of, like my Mm -hmm. parents' marriage ended in my early 20s, and it was kind of hard on me. And I kind of, I ran away from home in a way. Mm-hmm. That kind of deal with it. And then that became a pattern where I would just abandon the place and start over fresh. And even leave stuff behind, like an old college ID or a box of stuff in the basement of of um, of a house that I was just leaving out of. And I would only, whatever could fit in my vehicle is what I would leave with. Mm-hmm. And so I had I had a pretty, in a sense, if I really, I'm no psychologist, but if I really wanted to look at that, I, I was like, I was very fearful. I was very um, mistrusting. And it was kind of like, I'm going to hurt you before you can hurt me sort of person. Mm-hmm. And, and mostly it, it wasn't like I'm going to do something bad. It's like I'm going to throw everything in my car and I'm going to be gone tomorrow and you won't see me again. 
kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I used to be, uh, that used to be a little bit how I was. And it works pretty good with the vagabond uh, cliche of a music person's life. And um, I think it's a common escapist theme in in the history of music people, too. Um, mm-hmm. So there's the Rolling Stone. Yeah, a Rolling Stone. So there's plenty to support it historically, and that was kind of a tendency that yeah that I had for like quite a long time. And I was slowly, just through getting older, I think, starting to settle back down or settle down for almost the first time in my adult life. Um, for anywhere longer than a year or so or two, or, you know. Yeah. And the quarantine period was kind of a super version of that. Um, unfortunately, I like where we live, and that wasn't an issue, but... Um, we kind of started taking on more responsibilities around where we live, helping out with different people and um, getting more involved in just the day-to-day and instead of going out and playing all the time, which was just impossible to do. So I feel like I learned a lot about, um, about staying put and I changed like quite a few habits that, maybe we're a little unhealthy substance wise and um uh yeah and so like i've this is like something i don't really talk about because i'm i don't want to preach any one way um but i used to kind of party pretty well and, and really enjoyed it and, <laughs> pretty well <laughs> yeah like i was a, a happy drunk like i was never like I mean one or an Yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> I, I really loved it, and I have been without that for like nine months now. And, oh, my gosh. And without anything to smoke for nine months, too. So I'm kind of like dabbling in sobriety right now and really... Nope, like cannabinoids, nothing? Nothing, yeah. I kind of I kicked both of those at the same time just to see how... It would go, and I really, um, for me right now, it's really working. I haven't had the urge. Once once the habit part of it went away, I didn't yeah. feel like I was addicted to anything. And then um, the other things just kind of took over, and I kind of realized how much time and energy I was spending to do that. And, um, yeah. And money. And, just, and money, yeah. I mean, I even had that down to a science where <laughs> the greens were grown and free, so to there speak. There you go. Yeah, and, I mean. And there was enough of it where I, I in never, yeah, like I never ran out of that. And then I had a really good six-pack of wine that I could get for like $24 or something, like if you buy six sort of thing. So oh, wine drop. it was almost like I sharpened the pencil as small as it would go. And I was like, <laughs> uh, even when I'm 
only spending this much amount of money, like then then it's not about money, then what else is it taking away from me? And then yeah. it was just the mornings got better once I decided to try to go without it, and then they got better and better and better. And now I like playing straight, and I never thought I could play without having a few glasses of, of whatever before. And we actually used to play on, on tequila. That's like listening and you still drink like tequila is way better than beer it gives you energy beer can, brings yeah. you yeah you know yeah and, um, <laughs> but that ran out my body said no to that too at some point it was like okay yeah endless so, tequila <laughs> endless and so now i love just how i i listen to this jeff goldblum interview and he's like no, I don't. I don't even drink coffee. Like I haven't had coffee in five years. He's just like, now I'm just how I am. <gasps> I stopped and drinking coffee too this year. Did you? I did. Can I tell you the story real quick? Yeah, please. Just real quick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I need well, to. <laughs> I have a two-year-old, and Great. you know, I kind of became a mom during this pandemic, which it, I yeah. don't know. I'm sure motherhood is a lot in a normal like world but I don't know yeah. there's something about becoming a new mother my life has changed drastically also the world is maybe ending and so it's like the overwhelm and anxiety uh yeah. has just been so over the top kind of this whole year and I one day I was putting him down for a nap I felt so overwhelmed I'm I'm a pretty high vibrating human I haven't really yeah. suffered from much depression in my life. I'm more like anxious and overwhelmed yeah. and and I was having thoughts of like my son would be better off without me. I'm like thoughts I've just never had before. So the overwhelm was so high and I was self-aware that like oh these aren't normal thoughts for me. Why am I feeling like my toddler would be better off without me? So I I knew that in that moment the only thing I could do was sit down and just like meditate or just sit in quiet and just try and I don't know glean help from whoever whatever religion is correct (laughs) that one (laughs) and so I shut my eyes and clear as day this message like loud and clear the words I could even like see the words said Stop drinking caffeine. And it was so loud and clear. It wasn't from my own consciousness because I love caffeine. I mean, I love coffee. And I was a barista for almost a decade when I was younger. So I love coffee. I was a barista myself, yes. Oh, my gosh. Like, I take it so seriously. My craft, I make it at home. It's such a special thing in my life. But that message was so loud and clear. And I stopped that very day. And I think it's been over six months now. And half of my anxiety was gone like two days later. I'm telling you, like I was a different person by like 48 hours with no caffeine at all. And um, I don't know. It's not something I'm trying to preach to people either because I imagine we're all so different in every way. And so maybe caffeine benefits a lot of people, but... I think me and the way I'm built and my hormones, whatever, since cutting it out of my life, I can like get back to 
I'm still a little overwhelmed, you know, different (laughs) days or months, weeks of the month, but um, I can, like, get back to me. You know, I can, I'm not going into those deep pits anymore of, like, despair and, um, or if I, if they do come around, it's much quicker to just, like, you know what I'm saying, get back on the, yeah, the way. Yeah, doesn't it almost so. <laughs> feel like a younger, a younger self in a way? Is it yeah, yeah. Kind of something. Did, can I ask, did you also, so you didn't quit till after you already had a kid. You didn't quit to become pregnant or anything like that. No, I mean, I, I was drinking like decaf coffee during my, pregnancy so that's a whole different world when you're like growing a humanoid inside of you Um, (laughs) I was surprisingly peaceful during my whole pregnancy I I really dove into like my meditating and my self-care for my child I'm I'm really good at like doing good things if it's benefiting someone else (laughs) so like I had a person growing it's like well I better you know be in tip-top shape so yeah, but then post baby, it was like, give me as much espresso as you know. All the messages we received too. It's like parenting's exhausting. You gotta have your right, 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 coffee. Right. And so I've just, yeah, I've, in my mind, I thought, as a human, we have to drink coffee. <laughs> like, how are we expected to <laughs> live sure. our lives without it? So, anyways, Jeff Goldblum, I'm just talking yeah, him I- in. Cyberland. Yeah. Uh, Cyberland. <laughs> Cyber Cyberland. Oh. Not that he would yeah. ever be listening sorry, sorry, to this sorry. podcast, but. <laughs> He's on that. No, what I said? No, not that he would ever be listening. Oh, I thought you said I was just listening to Jeff Goldblum on Cyberland, so I got <laughs> railroad tracked. That I thought there was a, a podcast that I have to hear with Jeff <laughs> oh, Goldblum. No. Anywho, yeah, I have another friend who performs and quit doing everything and we both still drink coffee mm. and we still we definitely have each of us has had major anxiety attacks um from it and I told him we were walking the other day we don't see each other in person very often and we were walking I started telling him about something and my anxiety kind of ramped up and then I was like that I think I shouldn't have had that fifth cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> I drank too much coffee. And he's like, I always drink too much coffee. <laughs> like, like I drink, he's like, I drink too much coffee every single day. And then I get an anxiety <laughs> attack and then it takes an hour for it to wear off. So it's almost like we're just substituting one thing for another. But what happens when you drink yeah. too much alcohol is you fall asleep. But if you drink too much coffee you kind of uh, freak out yeah it's and then i will say this i'm experimenting so i had a little bit of decaf coffee yesterday because as a woman i i'm a women's yoga health instructor and we're supposed to be doing things different each week of the month pretty much and so i am experimenting there are some times of the month that i can have a little bit of caffeine and it doesn't affect me. But if I'm in tune and if I can feel that my anxiety is kind of already, you know, I'm doing this interview with Kyle Field today. I didn't have coffee today. <laughs> I yeah. was already anxious enough that I'm going to do something wrong. It's not going to record or whatever. That's, so, what I, 
Yeah, no <laughs> that's what I was going to say about motherhood almost seems, mothering a child, it just seems like coffee in and of itself, like too yes. much of a charge because you're in charge of someone else's life, you know, that seems yes. like a rush. <laughs> yeah, I've never even thought, I never even thought of that aspect of it, but you're absolutely right. Like his energy, his insane, like thirst for the knowledge of this life is like, that amps me up. So when I was also drinking, you know, a double shot of espresso at 7 a.m., um, yeah. that was just like, it was such an overload. And anyways, I think I'm grateful I got that message. And then I'm like, oh, cool. Can I just keep getting messages? I'll I'll follow. <laughs> what else? Yeah, for sure. As long as it's not like kill that neighbor. Um. <laughs> That's weird that you should say that. Um because I have a new song called Goat's Head Soup, which is about making a soup that is almost poisonous or something. Ooh. Uh, and I'm and in the song, it talks about a cri- that the cricket taught me a song all night long, and that's almost a euphemism for insomnia. If, like, something is weighing on you, all night that you that you hear a cricket all night long and then it taught you you're so delusional that you think that the cricket is the one that taught you the song but really you just couldn't sleep but mm. in that song I'm putting one solitary cricket um, chirp at some point no sorry on the record not on that song but on the last song of the album um, I'm putting one single cricket chirp <laughs> and when I just opened up my bag of chips, I thought I would do one chip eating on this podcast, <laughs> just one, and it was the equivalent of the cricket chirp on the album. And oh. You mentioned the neighbors, and um, and mine is about soup that you feed to your enemy. <laughs> um, it's kind of a grim fairy tale thing um, in the way that someone could hear this song in the future when it comes out and be like, that's terrible. (laughs) Like, how could you talk about hate? Like, you're only supposed to talk about love. And then you kind of realize that love and hate are real. And then I thought of, yeah, like Leonard Cohen's album, Songs of Love and Hate. There you go. one, One can't exist without the other. It's true. It's just a matter of if you're honest or not. It's very true. How would we even know what love felt like if we didn't know the opposite right. of it? Mm-hmm. Hate, hate teaches us more about the feeling of love. Yes, absolutely. Oh, which is why I'm hoping that this is not the end of our species and that we indeed are going to be learning from all this hate going on. And rising yeah. up. It's hard to say. Yeah. It's hard to say. I know. So just eat your chips. Um, live I know, your I life. What flavor of chips? It sounded it ruffled was, of some sort. It is a one of those Hava chips, which I barely ever get. <gasps> stop, 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 stop. Are you kidding me? Do you know how hard those are to find in really? grocery stores? Yeah. I mean, I live right by a grocery store that carries a hefty stock of them. Thank God. 
But they're, oh, but they're they're so popular. You mean? No, they're not at grocery stores where I live, at least. Right. You have to find like the special grocery store that understands that those are the best the, tortilla the chips. Chips can be spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they can. Yeah. It's that line. All there is, well, if you'll read the ingredients, all there is is cor- corn, soybean oil, soy sauce, and a dash of lime. Yeah. Also. Um, joy, love, and light. Yeah. Are, oh. are ingredients. Yeah. I always at so. least have four in my cart because they're small bags. I wish they'd make larger bags, but I forgive them. I do too. I also they make a jumbo bag apparently that you can. There's a bulk oh one. Um. Oh boy. But they're not organic. Oh. Well, <laughs> they're not non-GMO. They are GMO. going to edit that out. P.S. <laughs> speaking of buying five bags of chips yesterday, I bought five bottles of hot sauce because I was coming through um, San Luis Obispo, which Ooh. to me, I lived there for many years, and for me, the pepper plant hot sauce, mm. if you've never had it, it's made in Gilroy. Do you know this hot sauce? No, Gilroy. Ooh, I know of Gilroy. Yep. So they make it there, but you can't. It's hard to find it south of San Luis Obispo, even as even as far north as some place like Santa Barbara, as far as Southern California is concerned. And I'm not leaving a breadcrumb trail here as, as to my whereabouts. No, 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 I never said that. I'm on the road. <laughs> I'm talking from a payphone. But, duly um, noted. <laughs> duly noted. It's hard to find the pepper plant. So yeah. this time, sometimes I'll, if I'm passing through, I'll buy one, two, three bottles. This time I bought five bottles. Because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. More like I don't know when I'm going to be back and and I was already at the store. I'm less future tripping in that way than it sounds like you are right now. But I, I mean, that's neither here nor there. I'm just. But I think we've gotten we've all gotten used to bulk buys anyway with this whole yeah. thing. Um, starting of course with toilet paper for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got five bottles of it and there was like the store manager and the bat the guy who's gonna put it in a bag, which I didn't want a bag, with the with the peanut gallery comment, oh, you must not like that hot sauce, you know? Oh. And I said, no, I despise it, um, and I do shots of it because I prefer to live in a constant state of misery <laughs> with a straight face. So I was, it was, uh, it was the morning after performing and there's still some of that um performing oh yeah 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 yeah. like i have something that i have to leak off for, <laughs> yeah. you know. that sounds like a win-win you said something say. really funny and you collected five bottles of your favorite hot sauce that's right look it up the pepper plant the, pepper the orange plant. the orange label it's like a rust colored label is i think is the original or the standard flavor, and then there's a garlic one with a dark Ooh. green label that's really good. Yeah. And the Chipotle one actually tastes like barbecue sauce, so Ooh. we're not all Love about it. barbecue sauce. Oh, <laughs> you're not <laughs> about it. <laughs> they, they make barbecue sauce for that, the, the pepper plant. 
Oh, I see. Yes, yes. yes. Original flavor is um, a good, it's a good go-to. All right, good. We're gonna hopefully be sponsored by them on this episode. Um, for sure. For sure. <laughs> okay. Well, that, thank you for that answer. Um, now. I want to talk about your tour that you went on. You just said you haven't played music in almost two years, but you just went on a tour. I want to know what right. that was like, and do you feel like that was good for your mental health while we're on the topic? Yeah, for sure. I'll talk about it. Um, um, I'm so it jealous, was... by the way, that it was on the East Coast. Um, <laughs> but I'll forgive yeah. you. Just I'm in a forgiving mood today. Good deal. I'm in luck. Um, so the reason it happened that way was because of the drummer of that chapter of the band. There's a drummer and bass player that live out that way in um, Maine and Massachusetts. And I had done one tour with them kind of several months before the pandemic started. And um, we really enjoyed playing together. So they're, they also book a venue in Portland, Maine, and kind of just know the area really well and all the different places you play because I'd boat um, Peter McLaughlin and Nat Baldwin. They both play um, in other bands and under their own names. And um, so they know the circuit out there really well and they knew what shows were happening where, given the circumstances and where to play outdoors and this and that. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like... Um, I followed man, along. Man. It looked hmm? it looked amazing. It looked like all the venues were so cool. Yeah, it was it was it was great. And um there I, I kind of feel like it was the place that you could go right now and do a seven show tour where the drives weren't super long and you could play mostly outdoorsy venues that felt kind of safe COVID wise. Um, and I guess the state of Maine has the highest maybe yeah. vaccination rate and the lowest amount of cases and the most space or whatever. So it, when the tour was getting booked, the numbers were actually different than by the time the tour happened. And mm. it seemed even safer when the tour was booked. And I was pretty hesitant in some ways to, to jump the gun and go out too soon because yeah, it was that thing of wanting to stay close to home and like what if, what yeah. if, scenario, what if you get exposed and have to quarantine for 10 days and then you're gone for three weeks from home rather than 10 days and this and that. So there were like those little risks and then the flight out felt kind of surreal. Like why am I packed into a fully sold out plane? But yeah. Um. And like is this actually safe or are we out of our minds? And right. the airlines just like, well, we, have, we can't go under. We have to sell plane tickets. But then after landing, there's so much hearsay going on right now that it's really hard to know like what's yeah. actually true. But it was like, no, planes are the safest because they're pumping this thing into the air in there that kills the 
Yeah. Germs or this or that. You're just like, all right. And so I hope that's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the flight out, and it was a red eye, so it felt just kind of like the first horrible night of sleep I'd had in the year and a half, which <laughs> felt super um, – I just felt the effects of it for like a day and a half. Just like, oh yeah, we've been going to bed at 10 p.m. every night, and like getting <laughs> up nice and early, and just kind of well rested and eating well and staying at home mostly. So there was like two days that felt like um, just kind of acclimating to being out in the world too, yeah, um, and not at home, which made me feel insecure and vulnerable for. 48 hours on and off, but I was like trying to find it. And then um, the first show felt pretty good. Um, Is the first show like the hardest, like the uncorking of the like, you know? Well, yes. And then like for sure this time, because it was like the first time over in almost two years that we had played together. Um, oh. First time in two years that I had played with anyone else. So it was kind oh. of, it was more a daunting feeling before doing it because it yeah. was just so out of practice. But once um, once we started playing, it felt more normal as the show went on, but it was still kind of maybe a, ner- a slightly nervous feeling. And then, um, and then by the second day, I definitely was like maybe I'm not going to tour anymore like this is kind of I feel like I'm out in the wind here mm. and I have to kill, kill some hours and I, I feel emotional and a little bit lonesome and kind of wish I was home and kind of wish I hadn't come and who knows if people are going to show up for this and the sound check was kind of rough and it didn't doesn't sound that good in there and we're playing indoors tonight and everyone's really masked but what if they aren't or mm-hmm. this that the other and um, and I even te- maybe texted a friend who also plays music, and I was like, I might be done. This I don't know if I'm cut out for this anymore. And he was like, Don't do it if it's you don't have to do it if it's not fun. I was like, I don't, do I? <laughs> I was like having all of those feelings. <laughs> like, Gosh, you're right. Gosh, maybe it isn't fun anymore. Maybe maybe it's over. And then we had our second best to. For my experience, our second best show of the of the trip that night, and the energy from music came, and it was reaffirmation right when I needed it, you know. Yeah. Yes. 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 And then it took a dive the next day. So I learned once again that like the best show for me, at least, usually the best show on a tour will be followed almost guaranteed by the worst show of the tour. So it, uh, for me, okay. it really is an up and down roller coaster. Let me interject here for a second. As a yeah. person in the crowd at shows, I also just yeah. want to say that like your worst show is probably like still such an amazing show for <laughs> absolutely. And I'm talking about worst is like our experience, and no one was there the night before, and they were only there there, and you yeah. forget that you've practiced and know how to play these songs and it's it's silly to (laughs) get really picky but also you just know and there's like a a feeling in every room that's different um yeah 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 and um 
it's always like I, on the last night of the trip, I went to see this vaudeville performance, and I talked to two of them after the show, and it was such a good full circle feeling. Because okay, I should backtrack. The last night of our tour, and I didn't talk about much of the tour. Sorry, but what did you really say? We played seven different places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. And so, but on the last night of the trip, we played in this theater. It was called the Gem Theater in Bethel, Maine. And classically, I, it's impossible not to have a picture of what a place will be like. And me, when I hear the word theater, I picture like carved wooden gables and a balcony and like creaky yeah. old chairs and that's what I always want it to be in a worn out wooden stage and like yeah. this place was built in you know <laughs> and this was like a very contemporary theater probably carpeted last year well maybe, maybe built during the pandemic with no like, musky smells or anything nothing like if Aww. anything a little bit of a new paint smell in the building and <laughs> but, but it was in this really sweet small town um where, you know, the story, there are some people who are like, we don't have enough live stuff in this town, but it's a great place for it. So they're trying to do something for the community and bring to town um, plays and, and music. And so whenever you get to a place like that and you show up and there's no one there, you're like, there's the tendency to be like, no one's going to come to this in this town that's kind of, that we had to drive through the woods to get, and then it opened up and you get to this town. And you're like, there ain't nobody coming tonight. Like, oh well, that was a good tour. And then you get, <laughs> and then the guys doing sound off of an iPad, and then some other people came in, with some horns and like a bass, and we're like, oh, there's an opener. And we were confused throughout the whole sound check. And I was like, well, we should. Doors are in an hour. We should get off so that they can check. And then by the time we're done with the sound check, we're like, so you're gonna save the settings, right? He's like, yeah, I'll keep them as close as I can to what we just did. And I was like, yeah, well, that's kind of the purpose of a sound check. But like, is the other is the other band gonna check? And he's like, no, you guys are the only band. And it was like, oh, and then it was like a, it was a rehearsal for like a musical that they were doing in another part of this huge building. And so that wasn't the opening band that was walking through. So long story longer. <laughs> People start filing in, and there's like um, one really nice fellow that is um, also doing like a video project with us throughout the tour. Like he'll send someone to to film us doing stuff, and he's got this idea, and he's really excited about the show. And it turns out to be a great show. It's a seated crowd in the theater. They're all wearing masks the whole time, so you can't really see. Mm. expressions and they're not mm -hmm. really moving which is the classic seated audience thing where <laughs> they them between songs but by their body language you can't really tell yeah. if they really do it or if they're just being polite and it was a really good lesson for me to be like okay you have to fake it because you mm -hmm. can't show all these insecurities you can't wear them on your sleeve so I would do performance things or like shuffle my feet or like doing classic song and dance um, cliches just to not be a dud and not feel like I'm bombing. And uh, after the show, 
it was like it, I was masked at the merch table and um, talking to people who had just been at the show, and they were like, it was like, that was, that might have been the best live music I've ever seen. The sound was so clear, I could understand every word. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And then the yes. one woman was like, it was like when I discovered Hendrix Gin. Your, <gasps> your guys' music was like, I didn't know it existed before. And then I was like, I don't know if I can do without this now that I know that Hendrix Gin existed. And then the people were, they were so over the top um, generous and kind with the comments that I was like, thank God I didn't like go by my feeling of what was going on in the room. Yes. And, um, so that was to your comment of like, well, whatever you think it is. And so that was our yeah. theater show. And then the following night, we were back near Portland on Peaks Island where the drummer lives, and we had to take a ferry into Portland. And he's like, I wouldn't go out. I, I, I'm i tired. You know, I don't feel like being out tonight. But if it was anyone other than Jimmy, let's say, and I'm, I think I messed up his name, but I wouldn't go out. But they're doing this vaudeville show at this cool local theater, and it's the first show since the pandemic, and there's masks required and all this stuff. So we went out to this, see this show, it, it was totally incredible. There were props, like crazy, crazy vaudeville show. They were playing a bunch of traditional um, public domain songs, and they were all fantastic musicians and charming and all this, and I talked to one of them after the show. I was like, thank you so much. That was so, that was great. It was just what we needed. And um, he was like, oh, we would have, yeah, thanks. We 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 could have played a lot better. We were just so nervous because <laughs> so many of our friends were here. <laughs> I was like, well, we couldn't tell at all. Like, oh, geez, thanks for saying that. But, I mean, you know, I was like, I know what you mean, but, like, no one had any idea that you guys were nervous. It was impossible yeah. to tell. So it was a it's really in your cool blood. It's in the circle. performer's blood to fake it's it till they make to- it. Yeah, and to be insecure because it's a very insecure yeah. thing to do because yeah. you're only as good as your last performance, as they say. And and it's kind of true because you're kind of just looking for the feeling again, but it's never the same feeling twice, so you're actually just looking for the new version of the feeling, you know? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Okay. Better move along here. Now, this okay. question, this honestly comes from my partner. He, Like I said, he's a musician. What is his name, by the way? His name is John if Atkins. If you don't mind. Yeah. Oh, his yeah. name's John, John Atkins. Um, cool. I'm going to write it down. Yeah. You know, do you know that I'm the person that sent you that COVID-19 painting, Mr. Kyle Field? Are you connecting oh, these yes. dots? <laughs> yes, I do. I, I know this now. Anyways, um, thank you for that painting, by the way. You're welcome. Very um, much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was your song lyrics. Can I knock on this door? That made me think. What if I knocked on my favorite musician's door to see if he wants this painting? There you go. So sure. Yeah. Your fault, but. <laughs> All right. Right. My point is. We also sent you the album that we made together as a family during COVID. Um, and I do sing a song on that. What am I talking about that I don't make music? But anyways, we don't need to. Yeah. I don't need to try no, and like. I, I absorbed it. 
<laughs> my point is he came up with this question because I'm not going to lie. He has been a fan of yours longer than me. Um, and so okay. he's like much more, I don't want to say the word like, you know, just he's a fan. He's a big fan of yours. And no problem. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. So this question of what's the closest you've come to quitting music, I think is coming from the place in him that is now trying to like be a providing father who works a job that pays the bills. And, um, but I'm the partner that's like, I'd much rather see you playing music and we can figure out how to pay the bills another way. And, um, and so anyways, but the point is (laughs) I won't let him, you know, the music will always be there, um, but the idea of, like, quitting, gosh, that sounds so, like, unnecessary yep. to anyone, but is there, has there been a point that you have felt, you just told us a story that you were ready to quit, at least going on tour, but um, just mm-hmm. music, music as a whole, has there ever been a point that you were like, I'm trashing it all? <laughs> in In some way, for sure. Um, and it's like a three-parter in a way. So, yes, I've certainly, and it's usually been on tour when, um, Mm. when maybe it's not mm, the greatest turnout or you don't feel like people are finding out about the shows or Uh, promoting. Yeah. And being out there in the world can be so it can be so like um is anyone really going to show up and then uh someone the first time i heard of that app called bands in town Ooh. was someone was at the show and they were like we only found out about this show because of this app. And I think, yeah, I had a smartphone at the time, but had maybe had one for like a year. And for some reason that depressed me. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, it's, it's impossible to let people know, even with all the technology. I put it out on my Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Another time that I was feeling that way was playing... Um, it was kind of at the cusp before I was on social media at all, mm-hmm. and I, I I didn't want to be, and I didn't want to have to put my shows on Facebook. It just all seemed completely daunting to me at the time. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I miss the old days where you could just put up flyers in that neighborhood. Flyers, yeah. You know, or like then you would promote it and people would just find out. Like I never, back in the 90s, I mean, you would. You would send flyers and then they would put them at the bookstore and at the record store and this and that. And that Mm -hmm. was, and then that would spread word of mouth. And it seemed very daunting to me and people that liked my music at that time were like, man, you got to get on this list. There's like this list. I was living in the Bay Area at the time, and there's this list that you can get on that just lists every show of the week, and that sounded a little depressing to me. Like, I I don't want to be on this huge list of all, where, like, 
with like a hundred shows on it for the week. It just seemed so strange. And I think we were playing to like three people that night and <laughs> someone someone walked in and was like, dude, you got to do better. You got to promote your shows better. And it's hard to be told that like right before you're about to play the three people in a room. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm going to call some people right now. No, like no one knows you. Like no one knows you're playing right now, you know. It's like, oh, okay. You kind of feel a little pathetic. Um, but I'm gonna call my grandma uh, over. No. Yeah, exactly. So I I think the quandary of the musician's life when they're kind of equating how much money they're making by how much energy they're putting into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that will always be daunting in a way, and it's helpful to have, to open yourself up to the idea of other income and not not rely solely on music for um, your income, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I think it just puts too much pressure on it. And so I think having, like I knew a guy who my dad went to high school with that, played with Bonnie Raitt. He was like Bonnie Raitt's guitarist. And he had a home studio and he also trained horses. And Mm -hmm. the balance of that I think is really good. And I actually think if all you do for a living is music and you're always just involved in music and music and music, I don't, that's not my ideal because I think that gets old and fatiguing. And yeah. I don't I don't want to spend all my time in a recording studio like listening to mixes and like, oh Yeah. I don't know, it sounds a little flat or like <laughs> kind of like it's just like it's not to me it's not that fun to just be around music all the time and um I kinda of like quiet a lot too. Mm-hmm, not like mm-hmm. always you heard this new record or like I like songs to come out of nowhere, so I spend a lot of time not listen to music to um yeah to maybe allow just some silence in my head so i and then so for like the second or third part of this question the greatest thing that i feel like i have told myself at one point and i was thinking about people like marl haggard or all of these people that i look up to that played until they died mm-hmm. um, it, to me any job has good days and bad days and any bad day is going to make you want to quit a job. But if you decide you're never going to quit that job, um, then you don't let yourself get as low. If you're like, I'm going to play music until I can't play music anymore, then you'll never quit. So then you'll just be like, ah, whatever. It was a bad day. It was a bad night. And um, so for me, when I decided I was – I would never quit um, at least making music. It was a relief to me because I didn't have to be making those little decisions or like, do I really Mm -hmm. like this? It's like, you really like it. It's just like anything else, you know? Yeah. It's not, nothing is good all the time. Yeah, and like, even as you were saying that, I was equating that to like motherhood. Motherhood feels so... Permanent, (laughs) right? It is permanent, and there's the days that I'm like, I'm doing it all wrong. Like I'm doing it wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. The whole like faking it 
till you make it. Yeah, that's how I feel as a mom most days. That I'm just like, all right, I got all the shit that looks like I know what I'm doing, but like I have no clue what I'm doing. But like, I'm never gonna quit. I'm never gonna quit on my kid. So like, I'll have the crap days. And uh, anyways, wise words. <laughs> I'm eating another chip, but um. <laughs> <laughs> mute button for for the other four, but um, they're called have a chip, so they are one. <laughs> they, they have one. Um, but yeah, I think it's um just being alive, yeah. of everything around you, and so it's if if it's glamorous or it's not, it's probably most of it's not going to be glamorous. But if you can um find uh satisfaction in everyday activities and then realize even things like that you think are your art or your um, passion also. Yeah. Like just everyday activities. It's just a practice of doing that thing. Yeah. Um, then it's, you're not putting it on a pedestal as being separate from, um, you know. Yeah. And I've said it before on this podcast that I, I've i always been surrounded by very artistic friends, but they've always seemed to, like, hone in on a craft, like, you know, very great photographer friend, a very great painter, a very great musician. And I've always kind of felt like I don't have any one thing, you know, like I, I like to do a lot of things and not be very good at them, just be you know, good enough that I can say I know how to do that. And so I don't know how many years ago, I don't, some elder human in my life, (laughs) an amazing elder in my life said, oh, well, you're just one of those people where your life is an art. Your life is your art. Like you're just crafting your life art, you know, artistically or artfully. And I was like, oh, I like that. So I don't know anyone listening who maybe is like, well, I don't have like something stellar or whatever to give. Like I think all of our lives are little pieces of art. And when we die, people are going to look back at our little crappy paintings or (laughs) hopefully beautiful paintings. Totally. And and it's fun. Or um, I don't know. I think – Having several different things that you're excited about can be more exciting than just only having yeah. one thing that is either on or it's off. Because yeah. Of things to switch over to, you know? Yeah, and that's like our gift as human beings. We can do so many things and explore so many new things, but. <laughs> I feel blessed and honored that I got to speak words back and forth to you for this amount of time. Yeah, likewise. (laughs) So I was, okay, I do want to close. I know you're not just a musician. You doodle. You make fun things that people can buy. We have them sprinkled about our house and in our closets. Um, And that can all be looked and viewed by our listeners here on littlewings.bigcartel.com. Right. And you have just announced 
hear that you have some special tunes to check out on your band camp. So that's what Correct. Little Wings or bandcamp.com slash Little Wings. I think it's littlewings.bandcamp.com. Yeah, something of the sort. Yeah. Type it into Google. It'll pop up. Um, but I, I, I am so grateful, and I just want to say thank you, and I'm happy that you're still making music and extra happy that you said you don't plan on stopping. <laughs> so as a yeah. fan, thank you. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for the uh, yeah. Thanks for the questions and for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Faust Lane. If you're a fan of the show, please consider hitting that support button for just ninety nine cents, four ninety nine or $9.99 a month.